Welcome to the Ellie Holbrook podcast, Enlightened Conversations About All Things Mindful, Metaphysical, and Good. Today we have my dear sister and partner in business, Whitney Berg. Whitney, thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you. Me too. Yes. Yes. This has been such a long time coming and it's such an honor to have you share this space with me. So one of the things that we would like to dive into with Whitney is um, her background and experience and thoughts on um, the motherhood wound and um, what mothers are experiencing right now as it relates to our mental health. And a little bit about Whitney's background is that she is a licensed mental um, marriage and family therapist, and she's been licensed for the last, is it five years? How many years? Um, licensed in 2019. I don't know. I don't 2019. Okay. <laughs> well, and we, yeah, so we've been working together for about the last five years through Sojourn yeah. Counseling Group. Um, and she has that specialty and she also has pretty extensive training in EMDR as well as, um, prenatal, perinatal, Mental right? Health. Is yep. there a certain... Yeah, yeah okay. there'll be a certification that, that I'm hoping to complete by the end of this year, which is perinatal mental health and like mood disorders. Yes, beautiful. And then Whitney has also been initiated into motherhood uh, last year, right? Yeah. And yep. Yeah, perfect. So let's hear it. We were just having um, a conversation before we joined the call and Whitney was sharing some of her thoughts about um, EMDR and the window of tolerance and motherhood. And I would love for you to expand a little bit more on that, Whitney. Yeah, I think that kind of where I wanted to start is um, the the pregnancy was planned. We were expecting it ready, like really excited. And I came to visit you. Remember, I was like five weeks pregnant and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with my body. Like just all it just like hit me with like a a ton of bricks. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think in society we're like we're prepared that we're going to gain weight. We're prepared that we might get stretch marks. But what I wasn't prepared for was like the sensation of all things touching me was just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I like alone time and I need time to like decompress and there, there wasn't because you were growing a human inside of you. And so mm-hmm. my, my experience right into pregnancy was like this feeling of like overwhelmingness. And I like, didn't like sensory overload, mm-hmm. which fun fact is still with me, <laughs> like tags and clothing, like certain like material touches. And that never bothered me before. And so mm-hmm. then jumping into like coping skills that previously would have worked like a hot bath. Like, I and mean, even when we went to visit you, like we couldn't go to any of the Springs because like, Oh, it's too hot. Like, and so just yeah. trying to figure out all of that. And then we get that whole new experience, like as the birth process comes and now, mm-hmm. yeah, little one is eight months and just uh, just as soon as you feel like you're figuring something out, something new comes and it's like, okay, I know nothing. And now what do I do with that? And so, right. yep. I, um, got a refresher, a refresher course in my EMDR training. And it just, it hit me so much because I, I didn't want to describe my birth experience as traumatic yet. It left my body feeling like we went through a traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, I just like want to reference, they said, um, that it can get stored as trauma if you don't have someone to talk to about it. So like if we have an experience that we've went through and we're just like holding on to that, it can then mm-hmm. get stored in our bodies as trauma. And so I just kind of, you know, put a little asterisk and was like, I, I, 
I share lots about it on our experience on Facebook. I share lots about it with friends, um, sometimes with clients, just because mm-hmm. our shared experiences. And then like maybe it was bordering that line for me because I've been able to talk about it. And I've like had that build up mm-hmm. that and like have you in my life. And when we don't have that or we don't have a therapist on board, mm-hmm. then it just sits in our body and, and waits. And so right. um yeah. So I want kind of wanted to like start there. Just like it, it might not like that might be why different people go through different ex- or like similar experiences, but it stores in some bodies as trauma and some is not. Right. Yeah. You know, going back to the, one of the first things that you said about like our, our preparedness for children, you know, r- regardless of the circumstances, if we have planned a pregnancy, if we've not planned a pregnancy, you know, I think we have enough education to feel a sense of, well, that's, I'll qualify that by saying many of us have enough education, you know, about like, you know, sex ed and, um, you know, just generalities of pregnancy to kind of know a little bit what to expect. But all of that is like more mental preparedness, you know, like the books that we read, the classes that we may take, the things that we just kind of know about the human body and the process you know, there's a knowing, like we said, there's facts, there's information, there's expectations. And if we even think about like the languaging of like, you know, what to expect while you're expecting or, you know, certain things, it's all like, it's all intellectualized, which is great. That's important. But that just means that it stops there at like intellectual preparedness and the emotional preparedness. Sometimes even with our best efforts, we might not be able to like, to really feel quote unquote prepared without living it, you know, I mean, the exactly. metaphor that I'm like, how are you going to prepare someone to have a sensory overload? You're right. not. We, like, yeah. Right. Like we say that may happen. And then we kind of know like, oh, this might be a part of my pregnancy, but it's kind of like that difference of like, when we're learning how to drive a car, we go to like the class and bookwork of driver's ed, and then we get behind the wheel and we really don't know a lot until we're like behind the wheel and the same thing with pregnancy and each pregnancy can be different. And so that preparedness I think is like elusive. And with that as well, I think even like what, you know, kind of fast forwarding to what you're, what you were saying about like sharing our experiences, whether that's in real time while we're pregnant or sharing our birth stories after the birth and like processing, I find, and I'd love to know what you think about this, that, um, we as women and mothers are, I think we often share a watered down version of our experience and we have to make it like palatable, yeah. you know, that because there is such a strong narrative and truth behind this, the, the story of pregnancy, that it's a miracle and that you should be excited and it's this and it's that, which maybe a full truth, part truth, et cetera, for some women. And also sometimes not. And sometimes it's both and of like, yes, this is a miracle. Yes. We wanted this and fuck, this is hard. (laughs) Or you know, you really helped me that like at the beginning of my pregnancy, because like, it's something that we wanted. And then all of a sudden it was like, what was I thinking? (laughs) And not that I didn't want her, like, I didn't want anything Mm -hmm. to happen, of course, but just like, but I just was not, my body was not prepared to go through this. Right. And I think that like the watered down version, like part of that for me, at least was like, I was so careful on, um, 
I had a home birth sharing who I was having my home birth with because I didn't want I didn't want to go at it from like a negative point of view. And so like, I now share that later because that's not going to change the story that we're like going in. And then um, my breastfeeding journey was just felt nearly impossible in the beginning and careful. I was sharing lots about it, but I was careful with who, because I was often met with the famous saying of like, fed is best. You don't have to be doing this versus people who were like really close to me and knew where my heart was and knew why I was doing what I was doing. They were meeting me with, how can we support you? What do we need to do with you right now? Whatever it is, whatever your choice is, that's the right choice Mm -hmm. for you and Marlia, my daughter. And so like watered down versions was happening with certain people because at that moment I couldn't take just their generic advice because what worked for them was beautiful for them. But that's often, I was noticing that's often the advice that was being given. Well, I couldn't breastfeed. Mm -hmm. So I did this. You should do this. And as a new mom and like fighting so hard for something that I was looking forward to, I I couldn't have that. And so that's where I think sometimes where the water, and like now I can go back and be like, share, like I share lots about it, but in, in it, it had to be watered Mm -hmm. down because I had to protect myself and Marlia. Yes. Right. I think, I think you're absolutely right. That watered down version is a form of self-protection of like, you know, my truth, our truth, whenever we're sharing that is not an invitation for you to tell me what you think of that. <laughs> unless, yes, we're, yeah. unless that's part of the purpose of the sharing of like, this is what I'm struggling. I'd like to know what you think. Or, you know, that there's there's an art to that, to being on the receiving end of that. And I feel like that, that art is often like lost when we're talking about motherhood and what's going well and what's not going well. And you're right, we do kind of water it down as self-protection because it's not, we're not opening it up for, you know, discussion. It's not, this isn't a forum for opinions and that, um, you know, I think sometimes other women, people, you know, sometimes men as well will want to relate or they'll share, you know, their experience of like, well, I didn't breastfeed. And it's meant to kind of like say to almost both parties, like, therefore it's okay that you don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so maybe there's some relatability, which can be kind of nice, but yet there's still this like, there's an awful lot of projection that happens when we're talking about birth and child rearing and how it should be. And, you know, there, it, it brings up so much for other and people. I, and then mm-hmm. I think too, of like being careful of like, my sister has a friend who's pregnant right now. And we're like talking to her lots about breastfeeding. Like we're here for support if you want it mm-hmm. and not wanting to scare a new mom, like wanting to yeah. care and not scare because like mm-hmm. if I would have known the things that I was about to endure in those first 15 weeks, mm-hmm. I would have, I don't even think I would have started. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I can't say I can't go back and say, but like, it was a lot. It was really hard and mm-hmm. really like really heavy and I'm so thankful like where I'm at now, but like, so both like this idea of like prepare, not scare and yeah. here's the support. And, you know, it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot involved. Right. All right. There is a lot involved. And I think part of the the objective, like you said, is to, you know, prepare, not scare and not, not to skew, you know, that like certain things are hard, absolutely inherent about pregnancy, childbirth, ch- child rearing. It's never perfect. It often doesn't go according to plan. There might not have been a plan to begin with. Um, you know, so like, but I think the objective is more to to tell a more complete 
to paint a more complete picture, you know, rather than just like, oh, it's so hard. It's this, it's that, or like, you know, the, the bypassing of like, oh, but it's a miracle. And it's like, yeah. And it's the whole picture of both. Right. And I think too, like lots of like, oh, you think it's hard now? Wait till this happens. It's like, well, that's hurtful too. Like, (laughs) I I don't want to know that. Stop it. Like, because it's invalidating to like what you're experiencing, like right now in that moment, you know? So again, like, oh, you just wait. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a Midwest thing or if we're doing it all over the country, but like, I get lots of that, like, oh, Mm -hmm. here's my experience. And they're like, oh, you just wait till she bites you. Or you just, I'm like, I don't want to wait for, that sounds awful. Like, don't tell me that. (laughs) Yes. Because there is kind of this like one-upmanship of then, like, where you think that's bad then. And like, okay, maybe, maybe not. But also like, like you said, here I am now, and this is what I need to pay attention to. And this is what I would like looked at, whether that's validated or whatever. And like, we'll get to that if we get to that. (laughs) And right. And, and there's also kind of like, I think then we can then go into some of our own like gaslighting to ourselves of saying, you know, like, let's say we're having a hard time and saying like, well, at least the baby's healthy. Truth. Truth. Assuming the baby's healthy, at least the baby's healthy. That is true. And this is hard or that, you know, so we'll kind of, we'll kind of dismiss our own truths by trying to make ourselves feel better. And sometimes those statements do help. I think there's been times in my life that I can shift my perspective in a very helpful way. That is not the same as bypassing by zooming way out, looking at big picture and feeling like, well, you know, they're healthy or something of like, okay, perspective. But a lot of times that can feel like gaslighting or invalidation or sometimes like right in the emotion is Mm -hmm. like maybe so like within a 24 hour period, if in the emotion, maybe that's not the time, but maybe a couple hours later we can revisit that and say like, okay, and she's healthy. Even sometimes just like some separation of that. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, you know, I took like a, I was like on social media a little bit, but like really had to take a break because again, like going back to like wasn't necessarily like a traumatic thing, but like overwhelmingness over overwhelmingness Mm -hmm. over over, like all these like new things. Mm -hmm. And then like seeing like the perfect, and I'm putting an air quote that people won't see, but like birth story played out in a Facebook movie. (laughs) And then you're like, how did they get it so perfect when I had X, Y, and Z? And then like Mm -hmm. this idea of like, you know, I don't know, something's wrong. But then as you start to share, that makes other people feel more comfortable. And you see that behind the closed door, like social media wise, it looks beautiful. But like when, you know, when you take that step of vulnerability and start sharing your struggle, then people Mm -hmm. that they like soften their heart. And Mm -hmm. now I have lots of people messaging me like, Hey, this is happening and I need help with this. And I saw you post about this. Do you have a recommendation on this? And like, just notice that like, yeah, when we can just like soften that, be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It opens right. this invitation for others to do that. Absolutely. And that's such a powerful invitation. I think that women are like hungry for, because there is so much of this like expectation of, you know, how things quote unquote should be or perfection or to do it all. And that, um, that wounding is, it can be really subconscious even of thinking about like, um, like I'm even thinking of, of t- women that have struggled with fertility and, you know, to, to get pregnant, 
at all to hold a pregnancy mm-hmm. um to you know i mean even the terminology around that is loaded and how there can be such triggers of feeling inadequate mm-hmm. feeling like what's wrong with me what am i doing wrong there's like you know there's self blame self judgment you know fears surrounding our femininity or our role as a mom you know and like just how that that can be so heavy and loaded and distorted as well and so then as we as we look at you know carry that forward on a timeline of a pregnancy of like how is the pregnancy going and then the birth that yeah, like there, there's, there's so much expectation that we place on ourselves. And then that's like layered with societal expectation and much of which is subconscious, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which then like, yeah, I, I always share, I don't, you probably, it's like one of those things you probably don't even remember saying this to me, but I remember like mm-hmm. really early on, I knew that I was pregnant at like five weeks. I like shared it with you. And then I was like, I don't know if you remember me saying this to you, but I was like, I'm so scared to be excited because what Mm if, and, and you said back to me, like, you know, not to let the joy of today's experience rob me Mm -hmm. from the fear of tomorrow. And like, I've shared that with like so many people because that I had to like, hold on to that because there's like, Oh, don't tell Mm -hmm. anyone until you're X, Y, or Z, or don't do this because of, you know, and I had to like, Mm -hmm. and I still hold on to that, like, you know, Mm -hmm. from five weeks because, you know, you're scared. And and especially if you've had fertility Mm -hmm. or pregnancy or miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I do remember that. And I, and I think that, you know, there's, there's such a, you know, a a false sense of control at times and a um, attempt at self-preservation to avoid you know, potential future pain or disappointment or whatever by like, if I don't fear, if I don't feel the excitement now, then I won't feel the disappointment later, which isn't true. You know, that like, (laughs) like, let's say that like things had turned out differently and you had like subdued the excitement that there's magical thinking in that, that like Mm -hmm. the excitement is not what creates disappointment and that high in the beginning of the excitement and the elation and the forward thinking is not what like prevents anything or dictates and or anything. causes anything you know because exactly. you're like oh my gosh if I'm excited this might happen like you like right yeah you have this magical thinking that you're in control of all these x right. y and z things from happening right. you know and especially in control of our own experience of pain so mm-hmm. had you been excited or not and then something had happened like you'd still feel that grief that pain that loss that disappointment right. etc with all things in life and so we exactly. do that with pregnancy we do that with jobs we do that with relationships we do that with opportunities like I don't want to get excited. And sometimes I think there's a saving face or maybe we want to process something first before we share, which is a different mechanism. But like when it's just that, like, yeah, be excited. And, and I think having, you know, more well-rounded conversations about pregnancy is so important because there's not, I mean, when I was pregnant with both of my kids, especially my son, I didn't have peers to relate to because I was so young. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of judgment and I experienced shame. And, and so like, I didn't have community and I didn't have like sisterhood. Um, and it was hard and I didn't have a lot of like joyful experiences. And the ones that I did have, I felt like I had to like keep private because of my circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so that has been one of my like passions and soapbox is like, 
talk about it all. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. yep. women need that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think that like, I don't know if this is like a good smooth transition, but I just like want to make sure mm-hmm. we have time to talk about um, yeah. on top of all of that, this like, and I don't know if like idolization is the right word, but pregnancy brain, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. is that like, are we going to get that? Or like, is that a real thing? I saw like floating around social media recently. And mm-hmm. and then the whole like, yeah. And then you get mom brain and like, ha ha. <laughs> until you're experiencing it. And I have been like processing so much about like, why am I experiencing this thing that we call pregnancy brain or mom brain? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the more I'm like thinking about it and going back to the EMDR training and practice is like our window of tolerance just gets so much smaller when uh, I'm, I'm imagining <laughs> hopefully, you know, only in the, like in the first year, but then like it's extra. Cause you're like, especially with a first time mom, it's all brand new. You don't know anything. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. even like subsequent children are different, right? Like you have different experiences. Yeah. And so, um, one thing during the training was like, so you've had a, uh, an impact or an experience or a trauma, it starts mm-hmm. to shorten your window of tolerance. And then on, mm-hmm. on everything on top of that continues to shorten that window of tolerance. And so I just like made like a quick little soapbox. Uh, I went through, it was all 29 hour labor. And then mm-hmm. she had a severe lip and tongue tie. So she couldn't eat when she came out. She was like tube syringe fed and the birth team was amazing and well-equipped, but I wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen a baby tube fed before. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, it's okay. Yeah. 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 Don't rush then, that way. I needed surgery, which was so scary. Yeah. And like, yes, again, both thankful that I had a, a team that was well prepared and equipped but like the doctors like the the surgery that I needed he's like I've never even seen this <laughs> like here's a research study on it here are your options but I've never I've never even seen this happen yeah and like the outpouring of support that I had amazing I can't imagine if I didn't have it and left like with this like window of tolerance just like shrinking <laughs> yeah um yeah just like and then so many things and then the, had a lip and tongue tie surgery it fixed a portion of it but then she needed her buccal ties revised which most people in our area we are in a very small area didn't even know what that was so then a new mom driving two plus hours to get support and then the lactation support, an hour plus drive. And so like we laugh and joke about our mom brain, but we're overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, even with that, Whitney, like going back to like your guys' first experiences right out of the womb is this like already at capacity, you know, 29 hours and your body is fatigued and your mind is fatigued. And then there's this rush of relief and joy. And then we find out that there's unexpected news and 
you know, what does this mean? And all of that kicks us again into our head of like, oh, I have to process this information and now I have to make decisions. But really what I'm feeling is both relief and joy for having like met this like baby spirit and welcome (laughs) this new soul. But then, oh, my poor baby is struggling already. And there's that compassion and the protection and the fear and then having to like make the right decision when we were like, ha, like there's just so much happening. And, you know, and then like immediately like driving and like all, it's it's all like into the head, decision-making, decision-making, decision-making. When really a part of you, I'm sure every ounce of you wanted to just like, can we just stop the world and let me like hold my baby and feel what's happening, you know? And, you know, and then hand it over to like a surgeon and, it's just so like, of course, we're at capacity. Of course, we're not processing things because what time is there for that? And then people want things from you and they want to know about petty things. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> ah, you know, like, no, that's not mom brain. That's trauma brain. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, and then, you know, moving into the nearly no maternity leave, right? Like most women might not yeah. even get paid or just taking it unpaid. And then... So your, your body's recouping, you're recouping, and then you potentially go back to work and they go to daycare. And, and so then you have that, you know, you and I were talking about like probably overworking ourselves pre motherhood. Mm-hmm. And then you add on this whole full-time job of parenthood. And, yeah. and then, so now your window of tolerance continues to shrink. Right. But we don't, we're not, we're not using language to talk about it. And so then you start to feel crazy or inadequate, like inadequate. You start, you know, am I an inadequate mother? Am I an inadequate business person? Am I, you know, and you, and you know, you know, EMDR talks a lot about like the knowing and the feeling like, you know, you're not mm-hmm. inadequate, but you feel inadequate or, you know, right. you're a great mother, but you don't feel like a great mother or, you know, that you're showing up well, but you don't, feel, you know, and like that, right. that's where EMDR is really beautiful to help bring mm-hmm. psyche and feeling in alignment. Yeah. In alignment. Right. Right. And that too, like you had said about that, um, you know, again, on to the next like processes of, you know, maternity leave or not going back to work, daycares, things like this, that like are, you know, functions of our society that are like, you know, normal. And yet there's these feelings that sometimes it goes against the grains of our instincts or our wishes or our value system or how we want to raise our child. Not that there's anything wrong with any of them, but feeling like, I wish I could stay at home longer, or I wish I could have this experience. And so we're, we're having to juggle all these constraints and or how dare work. you stay at home or how dare you yeah. go back to work? You know, it's just, right. again, it goes damned back if to you like, do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lived experience <laughs> and like, I don't know. I don't think it's intentional, but like this judgment based on the person's lived experience who you're talking with. And I had to remind myself right. of that so much over the summer of like, they're presenting me with their own perception of the world and they're not able to hold right. two views at this point. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm thankful I was able to have that point of view, mm-hmm. but not a lot of right, right. Well, as yeah, and as therapists, that's part of our job is to like you know observe what's happening as it's happening in real time, even the interactions that we're having with people. So we can spot sometimes. Okay, they are projecting you know how they see the world and their expectations of me onto me when that's irrelevant. Um, and yet, so you know we're, we're we're wrestling with that 
relational dynamic and then our own internal experience of like, you know, is what we're doing, does that feel in alignment? And then when we have additional knowing of feeling like, that's why I think where a lot of additional anxiety can come in of feeling like, well, you know, I'd like to be at home more and I worry about the impact or, you know, I think kind of bringing that back to the EMDR of the knowing and the feeling, like the feeling part is not that one is more important than the other. And they're both tools that we can use with the other. You know, we can take our, our, our knowing to explore our feelings and to process, you know, it's part of EMDR, but our feelings, like that's the wind in ourselves in life. So if we're feeling inadequate or we are feeling guilt, shame, self-judgment, whatever, even though we quote unquote, know, it's still the feeling, you know, and that's part of stored trauma, whether it's on a somatic level an unconscious level, a conscious level, say a little bit more about that and how that ties into like the window of tolerance and EMDR and the work that you're doing right now. Or, okay, say the question again, like what you're wanting. Yeah, like working with like, you know, the subconscious and the knowing and the feeling as it relates to like motherhood and pregnancy and like this work. Well, I, th- I think if we just like keep repeating to people like, you know, if I, okay, so if I say, for example, like I feel like I'm not being a good enough mom because I'm at work. If we're just validating like, yeah, but you know you're a good mom. It's not helpful because know that. <laughs> like, right. And so, right. Like that's not helpful to keep repeating. And so, so we're eight months into this journey. And the thing that's been like most helpful is not to be asked, like, uh, not to be at, you know, told what to do a, that's never goes well for me <laughs> or many's, <laughs> um, or what's wrong. I'll like, what are you like? Sometimes I don't even know. Sometimes I don't have the words mm-hmm. for it. And so, yeah. um, I saw on an Instagram post and like, I saved it and like held true to it of just validation of like, you're right. Your experience is heard. Your experience is yeah. hard. You're whatever. And like just validating that moment and following mm-hmm. it with how, how can I help? What can yeah. we do right now? Because right. sometimes you know, I think in society, often I see at work of like, we're trying to run away from the emotions. We don't want to feel it. We mm-hmm. stuff it. As we mm-hmm. know, you can stuff, 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 but it's going to come out, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle of a podcast, <laughs> in the middle of And And so, it, and that's where we go back to that whole beginning of like, let's start talking about it. Because if we start yeah. talking about it, it doesn't have to get stored. We can experience right. it and feel it right now go mm-hmm. through it. And then it doesn't mean the feelings are going to go away. I might have them again tomorrow, but we can like, let that like go through. And then like, okay, yeah. I know that's not true. And it's still what I'm mm-hmm. feeling. And then, you know, go right. on and I might have that again right. tomorrow and I might not, and I might have it next week and I might not. And the, you know, and obviously like, I don't, I don't want to dismiss like the work in EMDR because it's so much deeper than that. And it's like such mm-hmm. a beautiful process. And it's like, but I just love like the parts of like even educating on trauma, educate, you know, like I was, I was sitting w- before we talked about this podcast of like, was it traumatic or was it not? And just her like talking about the overwhelmingness, it just validated enough that like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's what's going on. Yeah. You know, it brings, sometimes it brings that intellectualization of like, I'm not crazy. This is a real thing. And I think yes. that's important. I'm not crazy. These are real. This is real. This happens. Mm-hmm. And I know, right. like, was... what's, you know, what's so funny in the profession is I know that. <laughs> I tell mm-hmm. clients that right. all the time, you know? Yep. 
And then and you this is part of your yourself, human experience. Like, it's right. Yes. Like, yes, absolutely. And that part of too the um, the the knowing versus the feeling, or the knowing and the feeling of you know validating the feeling of like, yeah, this was big. And and even getting sometimes outside of the the trauma language can be helpful. Like, we don't have to label it. Uh, I mean, sometimes it does help to to yeah, acknowledge definitely. the severity or gravity of something to say that was traumatic or that was a trauma or that was um traumatizing which you know those are not mutually exclusive terms and so we can also acknowledge the gravity of a situation and just say like that was really big that was really impactful that was really hard that was you know that's still with me i'm still processing that that isn't i haven't resolved that yet you know and And like Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and that language thinking, we look like, at the process. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I was just looking at my notes too. Like, I want to validate that like people might even think, not even know what we're talking about. So when we're talking yeah. about window of tolerance, you have your optimal zone and everyone's is going to be different. And mm-hmm. right. And so everyone's going to be different and then it's going to change over time and over like experiences. Yeah. And then it can go, if we imagine it like a, like a graph, right. And then mm-hmm. there's above hyper arousal, which where you could experience flight, um, fight or freeze, shut down response, that kind of thing. Um, and then you can dip below, which can be the hypo arousal. Mm-hmm. So where more common knowledge is called the fawn or whatever. And right. so the goal is to stay obviously in the optimal zone. And I think the mm-hmm. education around this is important is like self-awareness of like, when am I mm-hmm. going above and below and what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, what does my body feel like when that's happening? Do I know any triggers? Like I know, you know, like one of my triggers is if I'm just like feeling tapped out because like very needed at work and then still breastfeeding. So some very needed at home sometimes and just having the language to ask for help, which can be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like, you know, even just saying like, I need 20 minutes. I mm-hmm. I can't do, I'm tapped out. Like we just use that language at home. Like I'm tapped out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tap right. in. Someone else tap. Someone right. else yeah. tap in. Tap in. Yeah. Or, right. Or even like the well is tapped, you know, like I can't get into, yeah. you know, more. And, and I think, you know, even too, like, like, like you said, expanding on the window of tolerance is that um, I always envision it literally as a, like, a window, yeah, a window you know yeah. and that it, it and it is like more open or more closed and that's a, i think key point about our window of tolerance as well is that it does change so our window of tolerance you know like you said in and of itself is different for every person it's also different in certain situations it's different you know where like i might have more or less tolerance for something or all things given whatever circumstances um but you know as we feel it like sometimes i'll conceptualize it as like the window of tolerance is closing, meaning like I'm at capacity. I can't handle more of this. Um, And then there's other times if we're like well-rested or certain other situations, we have other resilience factors or whatever it may be that we feel like, well, I can really handle a lot. And there can also be so many, I mean, you know, we could, we could expand on that all day, you know, with our window of tolerance of like, what keeps it open? What's the illusion of openness? Is that just a coping skill? Is there, you know, right. And then, and then that, that a, like grace, you know, giving ourselves grace when we feel like it's closed or it's closing or I'm in hypo hyper um, arousal and just like, it's part of the human experience. You and know? I think like the interesting part about motherhood with the window of tolerance is like, it can be closed and a child still needs you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you're okay, like, so okay. what are we going to do now? Like, all right, yeah. let's, let's right. go. Pop that you sucker know? open. Yeah, exactly. And you and know, when, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and then on top of it, like you just said, like a well-rested, 
what does that mean? Right? Like how, right. how are you even supposed to sleep? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, right. like prioritizing nap time or like, you know, if you can sneak away and like finding those moments or something like that, but just, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's, mm-hmm. you know, in other areas of life, we can acknowledge that the window is closed and, you know, maybe take a mm-hmm. mental health day from work or, and there are options obviously in motherhood too. And I think that, you know, I'm joking about it right now, but really validating, asking for help it's okay. Like we're not, that doesn't make you inadequate Mm -hmm. and reaching out and telling someone that these are Mm -hmm. the thoughts that you're having or the feelings that you're having. Cause that can just like, Mm -hmm. like, wow, like just that weight gets lifted off just by offering, giving it to someone else, you know? And then, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, there, there are, there are options not getting fully tapped out. Right. And, you know, with, especially in therapy, we always have to like look at context, you know, of like, what is a certain person's circumstances? And so that feeling of, um, even, even help, that's an interesting idea. I think when we're pregnant and having young children and not just young children, children, (laughs) no matter how old they are, um, you know, I was, I was a single mom for so long. And so the idea was of help felt uh, hard to grasp at times because at sometimes it was, and there's also like a reminder, and I see it more clearly now than I did then. That like, okay, well, maybe help isn't gonna come in a traditional form, but like Mr. Rogers says, there's always helpers. Look for the helpers, you know. Yeah, so whether yeah. that was like my own therapist, or if I were able to have tapped into a community of other mothers, or my parents, or you know, whoever, it might not have been a traditional family. Um, like a nuclear family constellation, but also this like, and when that's not available to us, because sometimes it's not, no matter what our constellation is, is that like, okay, I'm at capacity. My child needs me. What do I need to do right now? Like, what are the priorities? Can the baby cry for a minute while I regroup? is, Is that the emergency cry? And I just have to like, override, you know, but that's again, where like grace comes in and context comes in of looking at like, and and we can also see where like endemic patterns come in of like, well, no wonder you haven't processed that. Like you've been raising babies or you've been, you know, yeah. doing, there's certain things that we feel like, yeah, yep. none of this stuff ever unfolds perfectly, which is such an important thing to yeah, remember. And I think to like validate, like, cause I'm assuming you're going to have listeners who are listening to this podcast who, who are, mm-hmm. don't have children or are out of that mm-hmm. or are choosing not to X, Y, or Z, all the things on it's not always the mother's going to be the mother's or the parent's responsibility to ask for help. How can we as a society open the door for a mama? Stop giving her a nasty look when the baby's screaming at the grocery store. Offer to change the diaper. You know, like how, what are other things? Mm -hmm. Um, A couple of clients and I were talking about this this week. I remember in college, a professor had said like, you can, you can't hate someone once you know their story. And right. Like, so we don't know what everyone's going through and especially in a society Mm -hmm. where it's, you know, keep it nice and tight and clean and (laughs) well presented. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so we don't know what that mama is going through walking down the aisle. Maybe, you know, maybe she's, Mm -hmm. or maybe she just lost something or maybe the dad, you know, is experiencing something. It's like, how can we offer grace and how can Mm -hmm. we offer and extend help like from a more systemic point of view too. Right. Totally. And I think that we don't always have to know the story. We, you know, we can speculate yeah. there, there, there's probably a story. Everybody's got one. Yeah. And yep. in order to be supportive and helpful, 
we don't have to know, you know, like exactly. if I'm witnessing, if I'm witnessing someone that needs assistance, like sometimes it's very clear how to offer help and we might just take initiative or ask permission. Um, and, and do so, you know, sensitively. And there's other times that just, and you've said it a few times, like, how do we ask for help or volunteer help? And I love that over the idea of solving. You yes. know, and they were talking about that privately that like, we don't always need solutions or we're on our way. We just need to process right now. Or we're like, you know, but like, it's not always about solving because again, that's usually about our own discomfort with the emotions at play. And so we want to solve it. We want to make it go away. Whereas like, can I help you? What do you need for support right now? That also brings it back to the like internal genius and sovereignty of like the family or the woman or the the parent or the whatever that in question. And and they get to dis- determine this is what I need right now instead yeah. of us assuming, you know, this is what you need right now. Because no, I have a really sense, funny like story. I, I know that we're like almost short on time. Yeah, but that's okay. So mm-hmm. my husband and I have had lots of conversations about that. Like, of I don't need you to solve my problem. I need you to listen. Right. So like over and over and over. Like and I like I know mm-hmm. that that can be a generalization. But like I don't need you to solve my problem. I need you to listen. Blah blah blah. So we mm-hmm. were at dinner one night and I was like presenting him a problem that I wanted solved, but he wasn't aware of that because I didn't, you know, give mm-hmm. my expectations. And it was like a business decision. And I was like, okay, this is option A and this is option B. And he just like sits there and stares at me. And I was like, are you going to talk to me? Like, are you, <laughs> like, you going to like tell me? And he's like, wait, I'm so confused. I thought I wasn't going to tell you what to do. And I was like, oh, I forgot to like pre-tell you. Yeah. This yeah. situation I want you to tell me what to do. And it's like, there's that too, right? Right. Like, right. Yes. You know, it is so true. And that you're right. Like sometimes, and sometimes we're not sure, you know, especially if, if, if our window of tolerance is closing that like, if someone says, what do you need right now? That can be overwhelming. Uh-huh. Of like, I don't know. I or don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Right. Or, and so sometimes it's like, Oh man. I mean, that gets a little hairy too. Well, I have like, a really you know, beautiful way that I saw and like offer this mm-hmm. to close out of like, okay, so if it is like, how can I help you? And they say, I don't know. Um, it, it was going around like via text and it was like, okay, mm-hmm. Hey mama, I noticed that you're or like, Hey mama, here's your options. A, I'm dropping food off on your patio. B, mm-hmm. I'm sending you a gift card. C, I'm picking you up, take out your choice. D, you want me to come in and have a visit with you? Let me know. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes too, especially like grieving, we don't know or overwhelming, right? That window of tolerance is just shut, closed. I don't even know mm-hmm. what I need or what I want, but if I get some mm-hmm. options or, you yes. know, at least we always say like Minnesota nice, if you don't want to inconvenience anyone, even though they're offering, I always say if they're offering, that's their boundary. They're saying that it's open, but we still, for some reason, think we need to be in control of other people's boundaries. Mm-hmm. Because we oh, still no, feel that we're still asking for help. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, oh no, it's fine. Even though like inside your head, like, oh my gosh, a home cooked meal would be so good right now, but I don't want to inconvenience mm-hmm. them because blah, 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 even though they're offering. And so mm-hmm. I think like, a, don't offer something that you're not willing to do. And B, mm-hmm. if we give some choices, that just like eliminates all of this guesswork. And so I thought like I've been like talking to clients about that because I think that was like really beautiful and helpful. That's mm-hmm, that's brilliant. And I think that, you know, because when we're in overwhelm um, or exhaustion or whatever, that um, to to draw up an answer isn't always easy. And But to respond to something of like, you know, do you want this or that? It's, it's like children, you know, like, yeah, these are carrots, not like, what do you want to eat right now? And so yeah. like, it, it can simplify. 
Um, and, and then there's also that like D none of the above, like none of that might sound right. And, but you're right. Like that, that's a, I think a brilliant way of like staying open-ended, no strings attached. And I think too, like, sometimes you're like, if they bring food, I have to visit them and I'm scared. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not ready for that. I'm vulnerable Mm -hmm. right now. And so like removing that expectation to, or whatever, we can put this scenario, you can put this ABCD with so many things, which is why I loved it so much. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That that's my experience thus far. I I just want to say maybe if you hear a mom talk about mom brain or pregnancy brain, maybe just check in on them <laughs> and yeah. not laugh about it. And I know it's mm-hmm. a joke, but I also think it's like a a joke that is maybe offering an invitation for some help. <laughs> right. And so maybe yeah. that can be like my offer today. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Winnie, thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise with us and this perspective. This is such a much needed conversation and one that will continue. Yes. I appreciate you and I appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yes. My pleasure. Okay. But now do I just stop it and then save it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And, And record. And then I think it'll...